Welcome to Wild Geese Travelling. We're going to be talking about life on a narrowboat, travelling the canals of England, living off grid, um, looking at the places that we go, looking at foraging, look at everyday herbs, cooking with forage stuff. We'll be talking about compost loos and solar panels, batteries, canals, boat maintenance, licensing, earning a living, all of those kinds of things. So if you're interested in either the canals of England or living on a boat or living off grid, I hope you'll find something to interest you here. Let me tell you a little bit about who we are. My name's Kit and I live on my little narrow boat, Mudlock, with my partner Mike and my dog Charlie, who's a little border terrier. So I'm going to start by telling you a little bit about Mudlark because she's the uh, the lifeblood of our off-grid life. So she's a little narrowboat. She's 30 feet long, which is much smaller than most narrowboats that you see on the canal. The, the old working boats were 70 feet long. And most narrowboats, modern narrowboats, are about 55 to 60 feet long. And in comparison, Mudlark is just 30 feet long. So she's very tiny. She was built in 1973 and she has a, a Lister SR2 two-pot air-cooled diesel engine and we love her. She's not very beautiful and we bought her quite cheaply but we've made her our own. She's, she's been our boat for about five years now. Uh, originally she belonged to our daughter who lived on her while she was going to college but um, as with so many kids, she wasn't really interested in, in staying with our quirky off-grid life. And uh, as soon as she'd finished college, she was off to, to live in, a, in, in the more modern world. But she comes home and, and loves it from time to time. So Mudlark is uh, our tiny living space. She's just 21 feet long inside. So that's all the space we've got. Not a huge amount bigger uh, than a little caravan or a little caravanette. So she's got a sitting room, a kitchen and a bedroom. And the sitting room's got a sofa and somewhere to sit and very importantly our wood-burning stove which is the heart and soul of of, our, of, of life in the way that Mudlark is, is what makes our life possible. The wood burner is what, what makes living aboard Mudlark possible. And this is throwing out heat and keeping our, our whole space really warm. Um, beyond the sitting room, which is about six and a half feet square, on one side of the boat is, is a sort of five feet of kitchen, which is a sink and a two burner cooker and a bit of storage. And on the other side is our bathroom, which is uh, what any bathroom would be, a shower and a wash basin and a loo. We've got a tiny wardrobe, which is just big enough for enough clothes for the two of us and no more. And then beyond that, uh, a comfy double bed and uh, the front doors out to the very front of the boat where we sit out in the summertime and enjoy living on the water. So that's Mudlark. So at the moment we're moored in Whaley Bridge, which is a little town at the top of the Peak Forest Canal. 
The Peak Forest Canal runs between Whaley Bridge and uh, Manchester and it was built to move stone and coal. The coal was moved mostly just around the corner from Whaley into Bugsworth where there were huge lime kilns and lime was brought down out of the hills and, uh, and processed to uh, take part in the building, huge building that was going on in uh, Manchester. Uh, Whaley also brought stone down from the hills and this was brought down by Plateway which was a sort of precursor to the railway with uh, horse-drawn carriages uh, uh, full of stone so the, the stone would run down under its own steam on the, on the rails and then the horses would drag the carriages back up the hill for more stone. Um, so these, these were the two big products that were loaded uh, in the amazing transshipment basin in Whaley Bridge and there's a huge beautiful 18th century shed which the canal runs right into where boats were loaded and uh, this about about every 10 minutes left Whaley back in the heyday of the canals. These days it's a very lovely place to come and hang out. It's at the very end of the Peak Forest Canal uh, and uh, we're moored right now in the basin where you can turn around as well as uh, more near the transshipment shed and here is um, the services so here it, there is also a tap and a place to empty chemical loos and rubbish so we are able to sort out our everyday domestic requirements right in the basin um, using using the a hose pipe to fill the tanks of our boat so that we've got running water and obviously getting rid of rubbish as well although we try to make as little rubbish as we possibly can. A little tour around Whaley Bridge takes us uh, up the plateway so leaving leaving the canal we can walk up the plateway uh, up to the top of that which is a couple of hundred yards of steady uphill nice for walking the dog uh, and that brings us uh, out at the other end of the town centre from uh, from the transshipment basin and then we walk down the hill and we the first thing we arrive at is Whaley Bridge Tap House which is a lovely little microbrewery uh, tap house, a little bar, uh, beautifully built. It's all built out of scaffolding and pallets, and it's a busy little bar with very nice beer, very well priced, and a good gin and tonic as well. Uh, so, past the tap house is the butcher's, and this is a lovely old fashioned butcher, really nice old fashioned cuts of meat. And the butcher actually raises uh, quite a bit of his his meat so his, his his beef and cattle are actually raised on the hills just outside Whaley Bridge so it's it's good quality local meat and beyond the butchers there is um, there's a hairdressers and uh, a little sandwich bar deli spot then there's a brilliant cycle repair shop and going on through the town there are uh, three good charity shops, uh, one, one second-hand bookshop type charity shop and the other two general ones, um, really interesting places to furkle about in. There's a second-hand furniture antique type place, really well priced and worth a look.
and there is a, a baker and a chippy and a post office several takeaway shops there's you can get um you can get kebabs you can get italian you can get indian and you can get chinese all, all in in the town uh, another pub is the railway which uh, served the the railway in the old days and above it is the station itself Whaley Bridge station which is a lovely little station and you can travel there uh, up and up to Buxton or down into Manchester and the rest of the world so it's a it's a well serviced little town and really friendly and I, I recommend a walk around it and pick your shopping up there's also a couple of supermarkets and a, a chemist and all the things that you could need and uh, uh, all, not to mention a library and the council chambers which are situated in the rather wonderfully named Mechanics Institute which in the olden days would have been uh, where the where the workers the, the mill workers would have come for to uh, avail themselves of education of reading of qualifications and uh, it was a self-help place built for for people prior to full-time education and it still serves the town well now I'm a herbalist by trade and qualification and each week I'm going to tell you a little bit about the plants that I come across along the towpath which is a, a very abundant place for, uh, for wild stuff. Um, so today I'm recording this in the middle of March uh, just to give you an idea of, of where we are in the year and it's springtime although looking out of the window i can see snow we had a big fall of snow on st patrick's day on the 17th and another fall the week before so it's been a sharp end to the winter of 2018 and looking out of the window right now onto the little piece of towpath outside my boat i can already see three medicinal herbs without taking a step from my sofa and those three medicinal herbs that I can see are nettles, plantain, ribwort and coltsfoot but I'm not actually planning on talking about any of those today I, I will talk about them in later episodes but I want to begin with um, a really useful herb called uh, cleavers is I think a common name for it it's also called sticky willy and it has many other names including Robin running the grass, Love Man and one that I particularly like, Everlasting Friendship which I found in uh, Mrs Grieve, a rather wonderful herbal that was published 80 years ago now um, but stands the test of time today especially for historical knowledge. So um, Cleavers, if you don't know it, is uh, it's a little sticky plant it's a real weed sticky weed it's often called and it's the one that um, gives you the tiny little birds that get in your cat and dog's fur that you you pick out those little tiny birds and the one that you you flung at your mates and stuck to your school blazers when you were at school perhaps uh, it's 
really known as a, as a, a, a weed, as something that we'd rather not have. But uh, I can, I'll, I'll take as much of this particular herb, which in Latin is called Gallium Aparine, as I can possibly get. Herbalists tend to use the Latin because, as I've just demonstrated, often plants have very many folk names and there's a lot of scope for confusion. But the Latin means that we know exactly which herb we're talking about. So Gallium Aparine is uh, how I tend to refer to it. Uh, and this herb is a very important herb for the lymphatic system. And the lymphatic system is, the, uh, is a circulatory system in your body, not at all dissimilar to uh, the, uh, uh, your, your circulation of blood. So it's a set of vessels and lymph nodes. And um, the lymph is, is moved around the body uh, by, the, by, the, by your muscular action. So as your muscles expand and contract to work, they squish the, uh, the, the lymph vessels and push the lymph along um, up the body. And lymph itself is that clear liquid that you, you see sometimes seep out of a scrape or a cut. And it flows both in these vessels and around your cells um, when, it, when it becomes known as interstitial fluid. And what it does whilst, it's, whilst it's, it's being interstitial fluid and bathing each individual cell of your, of your makeup is it, it collects up garbage. So it collects up dead cells and toxins and stuff, waste products from the cell itself and it collects all these up in, in into the, the lymphatic system so it collects all the rubbish into the lymph vessels and then the lymph vessels empty into the venous system that's the, the, the part of your blood that is deoxygenated and that deoxygenated blood is carried around your body to your liver and your kidneys where the liver and kidneys detoxify and balance the uh, the alkaline and acid base of of your blood and that's what keeps you healthy so uh, what gallium does what sticky really does is to encourage the function of the lymphatic system and to work on the uh, um, on the lymph nodes themselves because the lymph nodes as well as the lymph passing through them also perform some very important functions in how our immune system works and so I, um, I use quite a lot of gallium to help to, to cleanse and clear the body and to uh, encourage immune function. It's a really useful and very beautiful little herb. And the ways that I take it are either as a tea, where I take a few stalks of it or a little pinch of the dry herb um, and pour boiling water on and make a simple herb tea that way. Or I juice it, so in the springtime I collect a few sprigs and add it to the, the, my juice in the morning. So alongside my fruit and vegetables, I would just add four or five stalks, just, just sort of like a dessert spoonful of, uh, of gallium to, to that, just, just for a bit of a spring cleanse. Uh, and the, uh, of course you can tincture it as well, which is what herbalists often do to have the medicine all the year round. And that's to preserve it. In alcohol and to do that you can just loosely fill a jam jar up with the herb and uh, and add some vodka to it and you'll make a really really 
simple tincture. But I would add that um, it's not a particularly good idea to take this if you take any um, any medications, particularly blood thinners like warfarin and things like that. So it's uh, it's always worth having a look in a book before you decide to use this and, and just ascertaining that it is the right herb for you. And also, if you're not at all sure, then talk to a herbalist and they'll be able to tell you whether or not it's, it's an appropriate herb for you. I'm going to tell you about what I'm having to eat today. So today I've had a very tiny cup of coffee first thing in the morning, followed by a cup of rootsy tea, which has got uh, licorice and dandelion root and various other bits and bobs in it that, uh, that keep my digestion healthy. Then I have uh, my green juice. So my freshly squeezed juice this morning was apples, kiwi, spring greens, weed, carrots and of course cleavers that we mentioned earlier on in the episode. And that was followed later on by a cup of green tea and for lunch I had garlic mushrooms on toasted buckwheat bread that I made and I'll give you the recipe for that sometime, remind me if I forget. Uh, Mid-afternoon um, you can find me sat sitting by the fire clutching um, a nice cup of rooibos tea and then this evening I will be finishing my day at about 6 o'clock eating wise with um, some cod loin and stir fry veg and some fried shiitake mushrooms and salad. After that, last thing of the evening that I will, I will have is uh, at about half past 6 I'll have a cup of lime flower tea which is very soothing and settling to encourage me to have a relaxing evening. And after that it will just be water because I like to uh, fast for 14 hours of each day and eat all my food in a 10 hour window which is usually between 8 in the morning and 6 at night. And meantime all the way through that um, I try and I will emphasise try to drink lots of water. So that's what I have to eat today. So each episode I'm also going to uh, try and talk to you about some aspect or another of our off-grid life and how, how we live life on the canal. So there's always something to chat about, always something going on. Uh, you can probably possibly hear a boat going by as I'm chatting to you. Uh, someone's just filled up with water and is heading back off down the cut. Um, it's absolutely beautiful just to see the boats going past and on a spring sunny day like this it gets a little bit busier during the winter it's been really quiet anyway uh, we are today having talked about gallium and the lymphatic system and cleansing and detoxing and things like that uh, we are today going to talk about uh, my compost loo because um, but every, the things people always want to know when they, when they want to know about off-grid living is are you warm enough, uh, can you stand up in your boat, the answer is yes, and uh, what do you do about going to the loo. 
So I think we'll just start this episode and just uh, just tell you all about it. And also my compost loo is quite new. It's quite an exciting departure in my life. So um, I'm going to uh, chat to you about it. Um, and um, I I didn't buy a compost loo because uh, we, we don't have vast amounts of money for such things. And uh, I, wa- I also... I wanted to pay somebody uh, a wage to do it um, local, I wanted to pay an artisan and I wanted to have it made out of uh, good materials. So it's made of wood and it's very simple, it's, it's, it's basically a thunder box. So it's a square box uh, and it's got a little vent to it um, and uh, on top of the square box is a, is a lid that detaches, a flat lid that detaches. and um, that lid has a hole in it and attached to that is a, a loo seat and a, a lid to the loo seat. So basically there's a lid to pick up uh, to reveal the loo seat and be able to sit down and then there is then you can pick up the loo seat to clean and then you can lift the whole lot out which reveals the box. And in the box are two containers and our compost loo is what is called a separating loo that means uh, simply means that it separates the wee and the poo and it does that with a very nifty little piece of kit called a urine separator and if you want one you can google it Um, i got mine from kildwick loos and it's just a very simple piece of of fiberglass uh, that's that's essentially um, a kind of funnel so it funnels the the wee away into a separate container from the poo which means that you don't end up with a horrible wet stinking sloshy mess Uh, as I say I bought a urine separator but I have seen this done with uh, a square industrial diesel uh, funnel so the funnels what what you're looking for some kind of a, a funnel um, and so we, we have the separator, which is our funky funnel, and then we have two vessels. One is a, um, it's actually a, a, a washing liquid container, like a, a big three litre container that, that contained uh, washing liquid. And I recycled that and cut the top off it so that it would fit the funnel of the separator. And I like it because it's got a handle which makes it really easy to pick up. Uh, And that collects the urine. And then behind that, uh, going just under the separator so that there are no unfortunate spills, uh, and and sort of so the, the front of it goes just under the separator and the back fills up the rest of the thunderbox uh, box is um, a bucket and the bucket that we settled on as being uh, as being ideal for this is a, a mop and bucket bucket so obviously we've taken the, the mop squish a bit off but the oval bucket serves perfectly as a receptacle to, for receiving the poo so um, how this works in daily life is that we um, we set it all up and we put a, a mixture of dry material in the bottom of the bucket so the poo can't stick to the bottom and uh, and then once once a poo has been done then it's a simple matter just to sprinkle over a little bit of composting material which just covers it up and helps to start on the composting 
process. Those of you that have been to festivals have probably checked out compost loos. If you haven't, I recommend them because they are sweet-smelling, peaceful places in comparison with a lot of festival loos. And likewise on narrowboats, in comparison with an Elsan or a porta potty or something like that, again, this is a sweet-smelling, very mellow, pleasant bathroom environment. So the, the mixture that we use for our, for our compost to, co to cover our deposits, as it were, uh, we, lots of people use lots of different things. People use cat litter, they use pet shavings, they use wood shavings or sawdust or various things. And it's generally felt that the, the best thing is something that's, that's not too coarse and not too fine. So what we do is um, we collect up the, um, all the uh, herb teas that we use during the day, so my, my Rootsy tea and, and all these other things, plus our coffee grounds from our coffee percolator, all go into a, a, a bread tin which just sits by the fire, just, just next to the fire, uh, and dries out. And we mix that mixture of, of tea leaves and coffee grounds in with a, a little bit of pet bedding and make a nice dry mixture and I've got a beautiful blue and white pot that I keep next to the compost loo that contains this material just to pop over uh, whatever is done over the course of a day. Um, loo paper is a difficult thing to compost, it, it slows down the compost rate a good deal and most compost loo users on boats don't put their loo paper into the, their their poo and composting mixture. Most of us uh, do what I do which is to have a little bag or a little container next to the loo to uh, to put the bits of loo paper in and then when they're used when it when when you've, you've done those can just go straight on the fire and even in the summer when I don't have the fire lit I just pop them onto onto the fire and put a match to the paper bag and boom it's gone so another question that's very important for uh, for boating composters is what they do with the compost once it's made People uh, want to know about what to do with composting compost loos and that's a long and knotty subject. So I'm going to save that over for next episode. Um, I hope you've enjoyed my little introduction to Mudlark and I hope very much that you'll come back and, uh, and check us out again. Uh, I'm going to try and intend to publish this on Tuesdays uh, so uh, hopefully I'll have another episode ready for you next Tuesday and also you can check out my Facebook uh, page Wild Geese Travelling where you can find us uh, and there'll be uh, photographs on there and pieces of writing and chat and general general stuff so so if you if you're interested come and have a look and check out our Facebook page as well Looking forward to seeing you again. Thanks for listening. Bye.